This podcast is brought to you by Primary Intelligence, the leader in win-loss analysis, focused on helping businesses uncover the unique story on how each sales rep can win more deals. Hey everyone, and thanks for joining me on another rousing edition of Sales Intelligence Weekly, brought to you by Primary Intelligence. I'm Ryan Queller. Okay, so it's it's no mystery. Sales can be a tough profession to be in. And as we've talked about a few times on this show, uh, the time that sellers have with buyers is shrinking as buyer's journey shifts to this digital experience. Gartner even says that the sales rep might only have five to six percent B2B buyer's journey, right? So the time is shrinking. And in this time, they still have to, sellers still have to understand how to make the greatest impact on an uh, opportunity outcome. This is part of why we do what we do at Primary Intelligence, to uncover the unbiased reasons for wins and losses for each individual rep, to enable them with buyer feedback that helps them sell better. But win-loss analysis is only, you know, one, one piece of the puzzle. Uh, so how can we enable our reps to build trust, differentiate, and ultimately increase win rates? Here to explore this with me today, discuss the current state of sales enablement is my friend, Joe Ferrero, VP of Global Revenue and Sales Development at Seismic. Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ryan. Nice to, nice to meet you and thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, my friend. So before we get into the meat of our conversation, we, we do this, this thing at the beginning where, you know, introduce yourself. We need to know you. Our listeners really want to hear about you and your experience. Tell Who is this Joe? Sure. Yeah, so I've been um, involved with sales development most of my career at this point. Started um, as an SDR actually way back a long time ago. I won't say when. Um, at Oracle and um, moved my way up the organization there and I've taken a number of leadership uh, positions since then. Um, yeah, and I've been at Seismic now just over two years, loving loving the organization, loving the sales enablement space. Um, and um, yeah, I live uh, outside of Boston right now. I was just saying earlier, moving to Austin later this month. So we're really excited about that move. Um, but yeah, like I said, really excited to be here today. Uh, Joe, thanks for thanks for letting us know. Um, so uh, it sounds like you've been around sales and in sales, uh, you know, growing up through the ranks and into leadership. So I think you're the right guy to talk to. Uh, I want to I want to start at a high level and start to narrow in, right? So uh, let let's set some st- stage a little bit uh, for our listeners. So from your perspective, what currently does sales enablement encompass for B two B organizations? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean. And it's evolving and and there's a lot, but I would say, you know, if you're lucky enough to work with an organization that has a sales enablement or an enablement department, obviously we're very much involved with that team. Um, But for organizations that might not be there yet, we work very closely, generally speaking with um, sales, marketing, um, and even sales operations. So when all of those departments come together and and work uh, well together, that's where we see the most success uh, in sales enablement. So um, you, you just actually piqued a really curious thought here. Why wouldn't an organization have sales enablement? You know, why, there's some that do and some that don't. We see this all the time, but why not? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, right? I mean, there's, I think most people, most organizations are definitely now post-COVID or during COVID, whatever you want to say. I think most uh, organizations are on board with enablement, but of course, 
Um, for some organizations, it's a new muscle and oftentimes it's not technically revenue generating, even though, you know, it leads to revenue, but, um, you know, they're not quota carrying, I should say. So some organizations have a hard time justifying that. But at the end of the day, if you have the right strategy um, and the right tools on board, uh, having a strong enablement department more than pays for itself, because obviously you're equipping your sellers with what they need to be successful. And then also you're equipping, equipping your marketing department to have insights and data uh, so they could work smarter on future campaigns. Okay. So you've actually uh, just added a definition that we haven't, I think, heard on the show before. Uh, how does sales enablement kind of span in both directions, both towards marketing and sales? Help me understand your, your vision here. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's magical when it all comes together, right? Mm -hmm. So anyone that's in sales knows, and anyone that's in marketing knows that the relationship between those two departments is, is crucial. Um, I think most people view sales enablement as equipping sellers with what they need to be successful. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, on the flip side of it, marketing um, spends a lot of time and a lot of money at coming up with white papers and campaigns. And oftentimes it's hard for those folks in marketing to know, like, was this white paper valuable? Did the sales reps use it? Was it involved? Or was this white paper used in 5% of our deals or 30% of our deals? Um, so with Seismic, we're able to give that insight to the marketing department so that they could, um, you know, spend their time replicating what's working well and maybe walking away from things that are not working well. So when, when that comes together, it's, it's very helpful. Um, it even goes one step further in that with Seismic, um, we will um, suggest different pieces of content to the sellers uh, mid-deal cycle. So with, with the analytics and the AI on the back end, um, we're able to recommend different pieces of collateral that are relevant for who you're talking to, but also pieces of collateral that have been successful uh, within the organization. So you're talking in, in kind of describing sales enablement, like a, a data and analytics hub that empowers decision-making for both sales, real-time sales, strategy, strategic playing, and also in marketing. Am I, am I following? That's hundred percent right. Yep. Okay. So love this. Help me unpack a step further. How does sales enablement differ from say sales coaching? Because I think those are probably still very different roles as well. Yeah. hundred percent. So Sales coaching is definitely part of sales enablement. Um, sales enablement isn't necessarily part of sales coaching. And what I mean by that is when, when you have a sales enablement strategy, part of it is coaching your reps, giving them feedback, real-time feedback, letting them know what they're doing well, what they need to improve on, making sure they onboard quickly and uh, reduce their ramp times. All of that is part of the sales coaching aspect of it. What makes sales enablement um, go one step further is not only do we provide that coaching on the front end, but then also, like I said, we provide you with the marketing materials that you need to be successful. We help sellers amplify their voices on social media as well, so they could be multi-touch um, and reach out to prospects through various channels. Um, we are also um, allowing the, the sales organization to line up with 
the key initiatives that are going on within the organization. So there's a lot of different pieces to sales enablement, whereas you know generally sales coaching is just kind of sitting with someone and making recommendations. Sales enablement is, is the full platform where you're getting the marketing materials, you're getting the coaching, you're getting the um, online presence, you're getting uh, insights into what materials you should be using in the deal cycle and when. So there's there's a lot more to the sales enablement piece of it. Okay. All right. Now we've kind of established for for the listeners for the show that um, you know there's you know the kind of the state of sales enablement, what sales sales enablement is, kind of how it fits with sales coaching and you know the relationships there. What you've mentioned, and I, and I want to go here on peel this onion more, unpack this a, a bit more, that uh, sales enablement is still a, a nascent muscle, right? This is a new a new thing. Um, ish. I mean, comparative to sales, right? Yeah. Uh, depends on the, the organization. Some organization has sales enablement for a long time now, for a decade now, but uh, still that's not very long in the grand scheme of things. And it feels like uh, B2B sales enablement has really changed in over the past few years as in kind of this moment, or maybe it's moments the wrong way, this time of flux and change, right? Of growth. What have you seen, right? What have you seen that has changed and why do you feel like it's changed in sales enablement? Yeah, um, I mean, there's been a lot of changes, and I think a lot of it. I think COVID definitely um, brought things to a head, right? Because more and more sellers were not working in offices and were remote. Um, inside sales organizations that typically were in the office together were now at home. Um, so there was certainly a desire to to make sure that the sellers have everything that they need to be successful. And a lot of organizations, Seismic being one of them, kind of took a step back and said, what is it that sellers need to be successful? And I think previously, a lot of people viewed sales enablement as um, just you know, a place to get content. Um, and all of that is great and helpful, but there's so much more to it than that. And that's where we introduced um, more of the training and onboarding stuff. So Seismic strategically made an acquisition of Lessonly um, that helped us introduce the training and the coaching and that part of it. And then there was another strategic acquisition with a company called Grapevine 6, which is live social at Seismic, which helps sellers post um, relevant content on social media. Um, so when all of these things were working together, um, that's where we've seen the most success. And I think it's going to continue to change too. I mean, there's, I, I definitely have some thoughts on where we're going to go next as, as an industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, working from home is like, is the new norm, right? And sellers are being asked to do more and more as we all know. So giving the sellers what they need to be successful isn't just one thing. It's, it's a bunch of things. And if you could package it up as, you know, one big solution that, that, you know, that's, that's going to help a lot of people out. Keep going, my friend. So you can't, you can't dangle that out in front of a cat like yeah. me and not expect for me to bat around. So, so where's the future? Where are we headed? Well, all right. So we're talking about what makes salespeople successful, right? So sales enablement is really good at helping people um, once they have a customer and, you know, uh, what to send them and what to talk to them about and what to share with them in a deal. Uh, there's another little space, and of course, I, I can't predict the future, but there's another space that we all know, which is 
um, the sales engagement space. So this is like the outreaches of the world, the sales loss of the world, right? So that's before it becomes a deal. That's, you know, the prospecting part, which is what I deal with as an SDR leader. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would argue like these two are very similar. Like these are making sales engagement, the prospecting piece of it is just as important um, to a seller as the sales enablement piece of it. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that if, you know, at some point in the future, there's more um, synergies and more consolidation between those two spaces. I mean, right now, most sales enablement platforms have a partnership with sales engagement platforms, and there's a reason for it because they kind of go hand in hand. So I think, I think that's just going to continue, um, especially as sellers. I feel like there's a lot more pressure um, amongst uh, sales organizations to have their sellers use their own prospecting and not always depend on leads coming in or depend on their SDRs. So again, this is a good, a good opportunity for uh, increased collaboration between sales engagement platforms and sales enablement platforms. So we, man, we are so aligned. And by the way, listeners no, we did not talk about this prior, but we are so aligned, man. Um, so um, imagine, right? So imagine a world for the seller where they have a, a, a complete true end to end solution from prospecting all the way to closing. And they don't have to go to disparate pieces of their tech stack and be become an expert in, you know, 52 different products in order to just close a deal. Yeah. You know, imagine that space. Well, what would that do for the seller? I mean, for you and your team in SDR land, what would that do for you all? Uh, I mean, it, it would be it would be crucial. I mean, there's lots of cool um, things that we're doing today, but it's not the same, right? Because we have to go from one system to the next to the next. So we do lose a little productivity there. But to be able to be in the same system and get insights as to, hey, this person just opened this email or, hey, this person just read page two of the white paper I sent them the other day and they spent 10 minutes doing it. Um, and then to integrate that with some, you know, sales intent platforms and like there's so much cool stuff we could be doing and like i said integrations do exist so a lot of organizations are kind of doing it today through integration but it's still not one platform no but it, it agreed it, because it's not one platform it's favoring people that have the ability that are native tech people that may skew in that direction that may have technical expertise that others may not have that could potentially thrive still in sales, but because they might not might not lean in that direction, it's skewing those people out. Yeah. So really curious. Okay, that, so the future, right? We just looked into the crystal ball a little bit. You heard it here, folks. First, uh, with Joe Ferrero and Ryan Queller, that's the future of sales enablement. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll collect our pennies if it comes true later. Um, all right. So uh, we've talked about future state. Let's 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 go uh, a little bit further. Um, so we've talked about uh, the future state. Uh, and, and the different technologies that potentially could play and how that could impact um, uh, sales development, sales enablement, and you know through the entire sales cycle. How, where does sales intelligence, right? Let's talk about sales intelligence data. Um, where, where does that fit? How does that power or hinder or complement? You know, what, what does that do? What's the imp impact of sales intelligence on sales enablement? Yeah, I mean, everyone knows the expression work smarter, not harder, right? Um, and it's it's so true for all of this. I mean, sales enablement is built on 
gathering and leveraging and using intelligence, right? Um, going back to my point earlier about how we work with marketing, if it weren't for the sales intelligence part of it, where we're providing insights to which marketing materials are working, which ones aren't working, then, I mean, that's, that's the power of the platform, right? So having that sales intelligence helps not only your sales reps work smarter, but it also helps your business um, invest in the right in the right areas as well. So it's it's an extremely part of the equation, I would say for sure. So from a, a sales development perspective, what kind of sales intelligence is most impactful for you? I mean, for those listeners out there that are maybe thinking about building, uh, you know, a sales enablement strategy, what kind of sales intelligence do you lean on? Um, I mean, there's there's all sorts of different things that we're looking at. I mean, I think at the most at the most basic level, like I said earlier, insight into what people are looking at. Are they looking at your emails? Are they are they responding to your requests? Are they looking at your white papers? Like, I think that's pretty basic level intelligence, but it also helps you to call the right person at the right time. You know, if they just looked at your email a minute ago you know, call them, right? Don't say, Hey, I see you just looked at my email. Cause that, that's a little Creeper. Bit scary. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. like, what are you watching me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Hey, you know what, if, if you can make it work, then you call them and, and hopefully you catch them live. I think that's, that's definitely the most basic stuff. If you get into more sophisticated intelligence, um, you know, platforms out there, there's, there's all sorts of different things you could do to gather information on, on your prospects and your accounts and, you know, when's the best time of day to call somebody like that's part of sales enablement too, is like, when is the best time to reach out to this person based on what we know about them? Um, and yeah, there are certain times of day that people are more likely to return emails or return phone calls. So you should be using that to your, to your advantage. Um, so there's lots of different nuggets all over the place and you could build an entire strategy you know, based on that information. Okay. So let's, let's get into strategy a little bit. Um, you know, you've, you've done this, you, you've been doing this for some time. You've been employing sales and for some time. What are some best practices uh, for someone that might be just getting into sales enablement strategy? What are, what are some best practices they ought to consider? Yeah. So, you know, I think it, I think you need to take a step back and just ask yourself, you know, what, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, some sales enablement teams are, are certainly more focused on the onboarding and the ramping of the hires and, and that. Um, I would say that's kind of where a lot start. Um, but for more, more sophisticated enablement, it's like I said, more about lining that up with the key marketing initiatives as well as operations initiatives and um, making sure that you're giving sellers what they need throughout the deal to be successful. Um, the sales enablement strategy that doesn't line up with the corporate um, vision is a sales enablement strategy that's that's probably not going to work. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me like, "How's the training? How's this, how's the training at Seismic?" And I kind of laugh because we're a sales enablement company. It's it's what we do, right? So our head of sales enablement is super lined up with the corporate strategy and super lined up with marketing and the sales organization. And it's to make sure that what people are receiving is aligns basically to what sales and marketing thinks they should be getting. There's, 
I've worked for organizations before that will remain nameless that they, you know, provide you with one thing and then sales looks at it and it's like, what is this? Where did this come from? Like, this is not, this does not line up to what we're, what our vision is and what we're trying to sell. Um, so I think if you're going to come up with that strategy, it's really important just to take a step back and ask yourself, you know, how far are you looking to take it? Um, and, and one of the cool things about Seismic and a lot of providers out there is they're scalable solutions, right? So if you start small, that's fine and you can grow. And as you grow, your, your investment in a sales enablement platform can grow as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all solution. And I think that's the beauty of the world we're in. It could be as big or as small as you want it to be. Okay. We got to follow up on a couple of things here. First, the, the one size fits all that, that idea of sales coaching and sales enablement is like, it's retro, it's old, it's gone, right? It's now about the customization to the individual reps, strengths and weaknesses. So which requires us to be, you know, in the know about around what they actually are, what are the individual reps, strengths and weaknesses, right? That's one thing that we have focused on a lot at primary intelligence on is, is getting to that rep level you know, what's their drive, what's their drivers between wins and losses? Why doesn't that one size fit all work anymore? Why does it need to be custom more and more and more customized continually to the person? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think in the world we're in, people just kind of demand more, right? I mean, back, I guess a long time ago, you just kind of accepted it and you have to make it work and it was what it was, right? But yeah. in this age today, like we're, I want to say we're better than that, right? So um, people are different. One of the, when I moved into management, I got the advice, the worst thing you could do as a manager is treat everyone the same. And it's kind of contrary to what we learned growing up, right? Growing up, you got to treat everybody the same. Everybody's the same, right? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I think it's kind of useful advice and it and it's true to the world we live in because like me, for example, I learn best through video, like a hundred percent, give me a video to watch and I'll, I'll learn it. Whereas some people do better reading or, you know, some people do better with like doing role-playing. And the cool thing about a really good sales enablement platform where it's not one size fits all is that you could offer that. You could offer videos to one person. You could offer quizzes to the other person. You could offer, you know, pitching to the other person. So whatever is their best way to learn um, is what you could offer them. Um, So being able to do that, I think helps people learn things just a lot faster and you know, they're not faking it, right? You know, we all remember studying for tests in school and like just remembered the, like what we're saying, but didn't really understand it. Yeah, um, this helps people understand it so that at the end of the day, like it, they're just that better, that more equipped to have the conversation. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so I wanna go back to the other thing that you were talking about alignment, right? So uh, two questions, first, who should sales uh, enablement uh, align to and with inside the organization? Are you talking about the organizational top level goal? You know, where should they align to first? And second, um, um, what's the impact of not having that alignment, right? So if you're out of alignment, what, what could you expect to have happen? So let's start, who do we align to and what's the impact of not having the alignment? Yeah, I mean, so I think you definitely need to align to sales leadership. You definitely have to be aligned to marketing leadership. 
And it's definitely bonus points if you could align to operations leadership. I think operations is often left out of the equation and they, they definitely shouldn't be because they're such a crucial part, in my opinion, to the success of any sales organization. So having them involved in these discussions as it is, is very important. Um, the impact of not having alignment there, you know, I don't have a percentage around it, unfortunately, but I, I could say- oh, We could just make up a percentage, you know, <laughs> you know 60% yeah, of the time it works every time. 40% more effective if they're aligned. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I could say just based on my, my experience and when it's not lined up and those organizations are not aligned on the objectives or um, it's just, it's not as impactful. And, and oftentimes you're stuck redoing things and, and actually losing time because, you know, sales leadership gets wind of it and they're like, where did this come from? This is not what we, what we envisioned. This is not what we wanted. So then you have to redo it and kind of unlearn everything that you were taught the first time. And it's, it's a mistake that a lot of organizations make. So it's definitely worth investing the time and getting all of those groups involved. Like when we do prospecting, we don't just call sales enablement people, right? We call sales people, we call marketing people, we call operations people because they all get it. They all understand it. So if you can get them at the table in the conversation, then you're gonna have that alignment, hopefully right from the very beginning, before there's even a deal, you're gonna get that alignment. So uh, we, we do this in, in the consulting work that we do with our data uh, around win-loss. We see sales enablement kind of as a, uh, a hub, you know, some organizations define it as like the, the wagon wheel, right? It's the hub of the wagon wheel uh, for so many different organizations as a data and analytics center, as a content center, as so much. Um, and when we see this lack of alignment, we see friction introduced into the sales cycle and it actually impacts people, sellers ability to win when they're not aligned And some, you know, imagine being a buyer and you're trying to buy something and you're getting conflicting messages, conflicting messages in a live Prezo demo. Yeah. What's that going to do to the, to the buyer, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're not going to know what, who to trust or look, if they don't have their shit together, how, how am I supposed to make a decision on who they are? So how can somebody who's going into a sales enablement space, they're, they're, they're trying to start their new sales enablement. How can they get this alignment? How can they drive this alignment? We, we know who they should align to. How do they actually go make the alignment happen? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of best practices around this. Like, I think if you decide to invest in sales enablement and, and it's something that you're that you take seriously, like obviously speak to the sales enablement organization at the organization that you're buying from, right? Um, they have the most experience doing this. Likely they have that alignment and they could tell you how they did it. Um, but ultimately, you know, it comes down to an understanding of goals and initiatives. It's not when when people come in and they say, hey, like, here's how we're going to do it. This is how I've done it before. This is what's going to work. That generally scares the other leaders, right? So it needs to be a collaborative, like, let's come together and let's figure out what works best for this organization. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we have a fantastic sales enablement leader here at Seismic. And I know she speaks to people all the time that are interested maybe in purchasing Seismic. Because that's a question they have is like, how do we do what you do? How do we get that alignment? 
So definitely leaning on someone like our head of sales enablement and learning from her um, is, is, is crucial. Um, using that resource to get some ideas and figure out how you can replicate it in your own organization. Valuable. All right, Joe, let's round third here, wrapping up our conversation. Um, if you know you were sitting down, um, breaking bread, sh- you know, sitting at a ba- baseball game at a Yankees game, uh, sharing a dog and a beer, uh, you know, and you were just parting wisdom with your friend that you're you're watching a baseball game with, you know, what's that one piece of advice that you would leave our listeners with? Uh, you know, what what, what is it? I mean, as it comes to sales enablement, I've got all sorts of advice I'd leave people. When it comes to sales enablement, I would just say it's a bigger deal than you might think it is. Um, Because I think a lot of people view it as a nice to have and they view it as something that isn't crucial to the success of an organization. And I would argue having worked at very large companies with no sort of sales enablement strategy um, and those that do have one, the companies that do have one, for me as a salesperson, the experience was a hundred times better and it made me a hundred percent more effective at my job. Um, So if you don't think it's important, I would tell you to just take a serious look at one of the sales enablement platforms out there. And if you still feel that way after, then Okay, fine, but take a look again because, like I said earlier in, in the in the call here, it's changed a lot. So even if you looked at it a year or two ago, I guarantee you it's different now than it was then, and it's going to be different probably two years from now as well. Um, so that would be my my parting words there. That that's actually you you landed a kind of a, a big right hook, man. That's it's bigger than you think it is. I I, I that's that's really important to hear. Um, you know, as you were saying this, uh, the, the thing that came to mind was, um, you know, we, we oftentimes view the world, our paradigms are often shaped by what we were brought up in. And if we weren't brought up in sales enablement, oftentimes we, we may not know, right? So how can someone educate themselves to, I mean, you mentioned going and looking at different platforms, but are, are there other things that people can do to educate themselves, educate themselves on uh, what sales enablement could potentially do for their organization, their sales organization? Um, you know, I, I don't, I think just talking to people that do have a sales enablement strategy and just learning what they're doing and the impacts that it's having at those organizations. I think, you know, reading any of the, um, you know, the wave report or the magic quadrant or any of those things, like reading through those and, like learning it and understanding it, speaking to sales reps. um, If your sellers tell you that they don't know like where to find things or they don't know what to send to prospects, like just talk to your sellers and you're going to hear things and you don't have to do any fancy research, just talk to your sellers. And if they're not hundred percent confident that they have what they need to do their jobs, then there's probably something sales enablement can do to help. If your reps aren't ramping fast enough, if your reps aren't, um, if, you know, 80 to 90% of your reps aren't hitting their, their annual number, like any of those things, like there could be something around sales enablement. That's the missing link. Joe, fantastic, man. That was, that was awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, it's been great having you on the show today. It's been great meeting you. 
Uh, best of luck in your journeys from from Boston back to Austin, Thank right? You. Boston to Austin. It sounds like a, a Dr. Seuss book. I think you need to write yeah. it. You know, Boston <laughs> to Austin. Yeah, somebody said it should be a a, a country song. Uh, so you never know. Maybe I'll I'll get a second gig and start doing country music or something. Who knows? <laughs> awesome. Thanks again, Joe. Have a good one. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much. And listeners, for more from Primary Intelligence and our friends over at Seismic, check out the show notes at www.primary-intel.com forward slash podcast. And remember, no deal is out of reach. We'll see you next time.